Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you're managing 50 doors now, the skill set you have today will not allow you to manage a million or a $5 million business. So as a business owner, you must continue to self-educate. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on, how to find more deals, how to make more money, but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend him. I've worked with him before. I'm currently working with him right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take him up on his offer. Get a free coaching session, coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we cut out the fluffy stuff. We don't deal with it. We get straight to the real estate investing advice that moves your business forward. We've spoken to, to let's see, tons of best ever guests, over 500, and all those guests are here to help you with your real estate and entrepreneurial endeavors within real estate. With us today, we got Pete Newbig. Hello, Pete. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on today. My pleasure. My pleasure. And a little bit about Pete. He is the co-founder and CEO of Empire Industries, and he's the president of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, Houston's chapter. The acronym is NARPM, N-A-R-P-M. Do people actually say that acronym, NARPM? 
They do. They say NARPM. NARPM. All right. I like it. It's like a, uh, it's like a, it's like, I don't know, like a rallying cry or something. Go NARPM. <laughs> uh, he has grown Empire Industries from zero doors to 500 doors under management in three short years. And as you can imagine, because he is the president of NARPM, Houston chapter, he is also based in Houston. You can say hi to him at EmpireIndustriesLLC.com. With that being said, Pete, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus now? My background is actually in IT. So I was an IT uh, engineer for about 20 years, and I started buying real estate while I was working as a way to be able to retire one day and have actually income. So I didn't trust the government with Social Security, so I started buying properties. And uh, I took on a business partner who was actually my business partner, Steve Rosenberg, uh, who's my business partner at Empire. And he and I bought an apartment complex, and then we bought a bunch of homes. And we realized when we bought about 20 to 22 homes that uh, we started having management challenges. And you would think that when we started having management challenges and we were lo- starting to lose money, that we would stop buying homes. Well, that wasn't the case. We actually bought more. <laughs> Obviously, in hindsight, we probably needed to not buy any more and actually stop right then and there. But we ended up buying about 31, 32 homes in about less than less than three years. And we were having lots of challenges, challenges with uh, putting in good tenants, challenges with having good maintenance guys, you know, um, getting the properties made ready, going through eviction processes. It was just a challenge. And finally, one day, we decided we had to do something about it. Steve and I created Empire, and Empire was built originally just to manage our properties. So we got a system. We actually sat down and created like an org chart. We created process and procedures. We gave each other job descriptions. We, d- we determined who was going to deal with what. And from there, we, we ended up hiring our first staff member, mainly just a you know like an administrative assistant slash property manager, just to run our household deals. And the funny thing happened was uh, we're, we're inv- involved in a lot of investor groups, and a lot of investors were having the same challenges that we were having, and they asked us if we could help them and manage their properties. And we didn't really know what we were doing on the management side of things, but we said, sure. And before, we had doubled our portfolio as far as managing properties without even having a website or doing any kind of advertising just from word of mouth and people realizing that we had challenges, we were able to solve them, and they wanted us to solve their challenges. I talked to a lot of property managers who have, I'd say, 50 to 100 doors. And the, I don't know how many clients they have, but they have, they're managed about 50 to 100 doors. And their challenge is getting out of the business and working, kind of overseeing. What is it? They What's the whole uh, E-Myth thing? You work on your business, not in your business. Or, yeah, on your business, not in your business. What would you say mm-hmm. to them? I see that a lot. Um, at NARPM, we have a national convention. I talk to property managers all over the country, and you can tell the ones who are the operators versus the ones who are the business owners. And I would say the main thing is, the first is a mindset. You all start with the mindset. And so when you talk as a property manager, or do you tell people that you're a property manager or do you tell people that you're an entrepreneur? Do you tell people that you're a business owner? And so early on, even though I was the bookkeeper, the, the leasing assistant, the realtor, and the property manager, even when I was doing it all, I was telling everybody, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner. 
With that in mind, the next step I would tell those folks to do create an org chart and then determine which task do you not like doing the least? Which one do you, not, do you like doing the least? And for me, it was the bookkeeping. So as soon as I hit X amount of revenue, I said, I'm investing that into a, into a bookkeeper. Now, it's very challenging to do that because a lot of people, um, they don't want to hire that person because there's fear. And you need to get over that fear. And they also have a fear of like, well, I was just making some money and now I'm not going to make any money. And I would tell you that you might have to go without a paycheck or, or a smaller paycheck for a short period of time so that you can grow the business. Because if you hire those people, You'll never get out of doing everything, and you'll you'll never be able to grow past fifty or or a hundred doors. Once you get to that point, how do you continue to scale? Sales and marketing become really huge. I know uh, one of the biggest challenges for property managers is is getting the leads because we have just a small target market, and because most people that own property they think it's easy, so that there's a lot of self managing out there. And um, you really have to have strong marketing. So work on people's pain points and really market that property. And I'm sorry, market your property management. And you do that effectively by utilizing and leveraging realtors by internet and by mailers. Those are the three big ways that I've seen property management companies grow their business. And of course, it's all about you know the message that you send. But those are the three big ways. Now, when you when you start growing your business, again, you start handing off more of those um, roles that you as the business owner do. And I'll say the other thing too: as you grow, the, the, if you're managing 50 doors now, the skill set you have today will not allow you to manage a million or a five million dollar business. So they must continue as the as a business owner. You must continue to to self educate on business, not on property management. You have to do the property management stuff, but you also have to educate on business by either hiring a business coach, going to business seminars, uh, sales and marketing seminars if you're not really good at that, and continue to work on yourself. So as you grow as a person, your business can grow. If you do not grow as a person, your business will never grow. For you personally, when you were managing yours and Steve's portfolio and then you grew, what skill set or skill sets didn't you have then that you have acquired since then? I would say the, the, the main skill set that I did not have then was leadership skills. I'm still working on them. I'm still not a great leader, not where I want to be. And I don't think you'll ever be like this perfect leader. I think it's one of those, you know, deals that you just continue, you're always continuously to work on. But, um, I was very difficult to work for early on in my career because I was so high strung and everything needed to be done perfect and just get out of my way. I'll do it. And so those are poor leadership skills. And today I have a, a much better demeanor. I, I encourage people better and I'm a lot easier and a lot better to work for. And I allow people to grow uh, and I allow people to make mistakes sometimes and I don't get overly uh, concerned about it because it's just a learning experience. Did that come with time or was there a specific thing that taught you or thing or a thing, a person or organization or some tip or like a video that yeah. taught you that? It's not time because if you're a certain way and you don't want to make a change, time can pass you by and you'll never be different. Right? You're the same person you are today, 20 years from now, except for the books you read and the people you meet. And I truly believe that. That's not mine. That's, uh, that's Dave Ramsey's quote. And um, I truly believe that. 
I listen to about two uh, audiobooks a month. I read one book a month. I have a business coach. And the main thing in this particular instance, I had a personality coach. Believe it or not, they are out there. And I had a person, <laughs> I had a personality coach. And that personality coach allowed me to understand what I was doing, why I was doing it, and how to really solve those problems. Wow. I've never heard of a personality coach. What? Tracy Duez, uh, D-U-E-Z. Go ahead and look her up. And uh, she's really an amazing person. She has this deal. That it's called the... Um, out, and you're gonna put me on a spot. I don't. Re- I don't recall what what the what the program is about. Uh, it's it's all about your you know how you handle stress and how you perceive the world, internal and external. And it's fantastic. And I, I learned I learned a lot. And and I'll be honest with you. Not only did my relationships with with my team and my business partner, but my relationship with my wife got a lot better as well. How did you find your business coach? I found him through a real estate investment group. The vendor lady uh, who ran the vendor program called all the vendors up and said, I have this business coach and I think he'd be perfect for all, for all of you because your guys are, are, are businesses. They had about 50 vendors and only about six of us showed up. And I, I think I was the only vendor that actually signed up with him. And that was three years ago. And uh, they're with Action Coach and they are a franchise. So if you Google them, they're the number one business coaching franchise out there. Again, three years ago, I didn't even know that business coaches existed. I was a little naive. But I knew I needed one. I've just ran a marathon two weeks ago. I did the Ironman a few times. So uh, I, I understand the, the need and the value of coaching on my training side. So I knew I needed it for the business side. I just didn't know it was out there. And boy, am I glad I found it. How many doors are you managing right now? 500? We're close to 500. We're shade under 500 shade right now. Shade under 500. Where in the, that took three years. Uh, after year one... Where were you at after year two? Where were you at? And now year three, you're at 500. So I guess where were you at at one and two? Year zero to year one, I was still working full-time. Steve was working full-time. We only managed our doors, and then we got about 30 more doors, and we had like 67 doors. The year after that, we were right, we went to from 67 to um, I think we were at close to about 150. But here's the funny thing. We actually got rid of a lot of those original doors because we changed our whole business model. And, and that may be another whole you know, interview. Um, and then year two, we were, we were around 250. And then we went, uh, beginning of last year, uh, we were at 355, and we put over 100 doors in last year alone. And so now we're at like uh, 470 or 480, something like that. What did you change on your business model? Well, when we first started... Um, I'm from New York City, so a lot of guys may not get this, but there's a guy named Crazy Eddie back in the day when I was growing up. And Crazy Eddie, he had the craziest prices and the lowest prices, and <laughs> he was always uh, always marketing on price. And so we, being new to the business, would market on price. And we were the $50 a month guys for management, which if any property manager right now was just almost crashed if they were driving listening to this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so we were the, the discounters. We were the low-level guys. And what happens when you discount like that, you attract people who only care about price, not product, not service. And so we found that most of the clients we had, they were D clients. We rate all of our clients just like we rate houses, right? Anybody in real estate knows what a class A property or a class D property is. Well, I have class A clients, class B, class C, and class D clients. And what I found out quickly is we were not going to be profitable running at 50 bucks a month. We, it just wasn't going to happen. 
And so we had to make some changes on the type of service we were going to provide, software systems, hiring better people with, with better skill sets, and that was going to cost money. And so we had to increase our pricing, and we went to a fee-based, uh, percentage-based model. And when we went there, we got a lot of pushback from a lot of our D clients. By the way, they have D houses. And so when, those, when you have D houses, it's more maintenance, more, more problems more management intensive, and then the, the residents are typically Ds. So in the lower income, we had a really hard time managing lower income. That's where a lot of our business was when we first started. I equated to Monopoly. The first time around the board, you're buying Baltic Avenue. You can't afford Park Place, but eventually you get to Marvin Gardens and Park Place. And so we started at Baltic Avenue as we were managing properties, and now we're, we're close to Park Place. With the uh, progression of your company, you mentioned year zero to one, you're at 67 doors, then the next year at 150, then the next one 355, the next one 480. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, it's about right. Okay, about right. All right. Uh, it doesn't look like you lost. I mean, you well, it, you didn't lose the number of your doors. You didn't decrease. How did you make that massive change in the fee structure, which a lot of owners would uh, pay attention. Well, every owner would pay attention to, I suspect, and grow. We changed our complete look. So our website looked, you know, like the $50 a month guys, and we changed our look, and we changed our even our office space. And so the first thing was we changed our whole environment and, and our image. We really, really focused more in the, in the very beginning of the of the business we focused on sales and marketing and marketing and marketing and marketing. Marketing was more important to us. We would dump more money into marketing than operations. The theory that we have is you could have the best operations in, in the world, but if nobody knows about it, you're going to be out of business. So we had a market to get the business. Once we got the business, then it caused stress on the operations, which then forced us or allowed us to invest money into the operation side to make things better for our clients. But the reason why we kept increasing, we did lose doors over time. People were unhappy or people sold their, their, their properties. No matter, even if you're the best, you're going to have people that are just unhappy with your services for one, one reason or another. But our marketing just kept pumping in the leads and then our sales were, were converting them. And we spent a lot of hours and, and a lot of time honing our marketing and our sales to, so we can convert. The first year and a half, that's all we worked on with our business coach. It really was. So to anybody out there who owns a property management company, I highly recommend investing money into your marketing. Don't consider marketing an expense. Consider an investment. What specifically were you doing on the marketing and sales front that got the conversions? All right, so I'm going to give you some secret sauce. So everybody, turn up your, uh, your radios here. Um, here's the secret sauce. We created an agent alliance program, and we went to every broker who we knew did, did not allow property management. So there are brokers that do not allow property management, so they don't allow their realtors to do property management. Uh, Keller Williams comes to mind. They're, they're big internationally that they don't like their people to do property management because there's not really a lot of profit for the broker and there's a lot of exposure. There's a lot of risk for the broker. And we just would speak in front of Keller Williams and, and the Remaxes and the Century 21s, whoever would have us, bring lunch. We would speak. We would talk about our 2020 Alliance program. And we then had thousands of agents 
that we were top of mind when they worked with an investor. They wanted to join our 2020 program, and um, we give them basically 20% of the management fees for the first year, and we can lease a property for them and give them 20% of the lease, or we allow them to lease it themselves. And more, most importantly, we show them in our computer systems how we tag them to the property so that they get the sale back because most agents do not trust property management companies because they feel the property management company a year or two years down the line when the owner is looking to sell will then steal their client and we show them our process on how that doesn't happen with us oh that's genius yeah that's genius we, yeah we were real we're, we're, we're proud of it yeah that came from a what a conversation with the business coach or what so I came from Northam, and uh, by being part of the National Association of Property Managers, Residential Property Managers, I was able to meet a bunch of folks. And I met this guy in South Carolina. They have a huge brokerage, so they do this inside their own brokerage. They don't do it outside. So I didn't have a huge brokerage. I don't even have any agents working for me at the time. So I said, well, if he's doing this successfully with his own agents, why couldn't I go out to other brokerages that don't do property management and do the same thing? And so I took his initial concept, and we just kind of uh, ran with it, and, and kind of, and kind of uh, changed it around a little bit. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. For any best ever listeners who are out there, they have a portfolio of you know their own properties, and they're like, "I'd like to create a property management company and follow in Pete's footsteps." How much, and you don't have to say you know your company, but just generally based on your experience or what you've heard through uh, NARPM, uh, and I love saying NARPM now. That's like my new word. Uh, based, based on what you learned through NARPM, how much would be reasonable to project to make on a per-door management basis? And when I say that, I mean how much profit in 12 months, if you manage someone's house, over 12 months, how much just on average, what's the ballpark figure that you think someone should expect to make as a property manager? Because when I hear you know people manage 1,000 doors, 500 doors, 200 doors, I'm trying to associate, well, what does that mean from a profitability standpoint? And I know there's all sorts of variables and, and exceptions, and, but just generally, what, what would be a good estimate? A good estimate? Now, yeah, so there, there's many different variables, but I, I would just say if you are not doing the work uh, of the property manager yourself, so in, in NARPM, they, they categorize small, medium, and large. So a small company would be uh, anywhere from one door to 250. A medium would be 250 to, I think it's 500, and then a large would be 500 and above. Okay, and they did a study about a year, uh, about two years ago, and uh, they asked everybody for their financials, and a lot of people put in the financials, and we found that the zero to one hundred actually had a profit margin of close to thirty percent. It was very high, and the main reason was because their cost of of uh, labor was very low because they were doing the work. Mm-hmm. Okay, the two fifty uh, to five hundred had the lowest profit margin because they had a bunch of employees. I think I think close to 50% or a little over 50% of the salary is 50% of basically your revenue. So they were running anywhere between 15 to 20%. So they were lower than the, than the zero to 100. But then what was pretty interesting was 
after the 500 and above, those guys were running at over 20%, which I think is a pretty good profit margin for almost for any business. Mm-hmm. And they were running, we had one company at 40%, which I'm, I got to go talk to them because I'm not sure how they <laughs> <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> I have to bring them on the show. I got to learn that too. <laughs> yeah. So I think that you can run the business between 18 and 20%. We are just so you know. We run hours between thirteen and fifteen percent. We're lower because we spend a lot of time and money into coaching, seminars, training our people. So we're very big in investing in back into the business, and we're willing to give profit up for that because we know it's going to pay off years down the line. Very helpful. Thank you for that. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate investing advice ever is don't just let the spreadsheet dictate if it's a good deal or not. And what I mean by that is when I started my real estate investing career, I used to look at cash on cash return. And if I saw 30%, I thought it was awesome. Well, 30% means that it's probably too good to be true. And if you buy something that's that's low income, the 30% rate of return, most likely it's not a true 30%. So when you're doing your numbers, don't just let, let the spreadsheet be a, a portion and maybe even a big portion of your decision making, but don't let it be the only part of decision making. Ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm not sure. I'm a little nervous, but let's shoot. <laughs> you're from New York. You can handle it. first a quick word from our best ever partners do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing then go to fundthatflip.com you can do the online application takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved and then you could be financed within seven days pretty quick stuff they're an online lender they specialize in fix and flip projects go to fundthatflip.com best ever book you've read best ever book I read think and grow rich Best ever personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it? Well, it was that Tracy Duaz personal coaching deal, and I learned to be a better leader. Best ever deal you've done? Oh man, I bought a I bought a house in an area called Oak Forest about ten years ago for seventy eight thousand. The land today is worth two fifty. Not a bad deal. Just the you said the land today, but you bought the house. Did you tear down the house or? Or just I'm the land. About, I'm about. I'm about to this year. I'm gonna. I'm gonna build and I'm gonna move in there. Oh, you're moving in yourself. I'm gonna move in myself. I've been renting out for ten years and did not expect the uh, the value to go up as it did. Um, but yeah, the land alone is worth two fifty, and new builds are selling for seven hundred to over a million dollars in the area now. When I bought the house, everything was selling for seventy, eighty thousand. Wish I would have bought ten of them, but I let the spreadsheet dictate where I was buying my houses, and I bought 20 of them down in the low-income area. I'm still kicking myself on that one, Joe. (laughs) Best ever way you like to give back? We just partnered with Camp Hope, and uh, I I had NARPM join up as well in in Houston, and um, we are going to have a day where everybody in Empire and our vendors and and all of the folks that do business with us, our tenants, our our owners are welcome to go, and we're going to spend a day at Camp Hope Camp Hope helps our veterans who come back from war to deal with PTSD. What I really love about Camp Hope is that the veteran can only stay there for about three to six months. It's not like you just live there forever. They're there to help them, train them, 
educate them, help them, help them get over, get back into, into mainstream life. And they have done an amazing job and they are not government funded. They're self-funded and uh, we're excited about the project. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Oh man, I lost my life savings built buying a hundred year apartment complex. We had the wrong business plan and um, I lost, I lost not only my life savings, I lost my, I lost some of my mom's money. She was an investor in a deal, and uh, I'm still, I'm still upset about that one. What was the business plan, and what should it have been? It was a Class B apartment complex in between two other Class D apartment complex. The business plan was we're going to go ahead and rehab this puppy on the inside, and we're going to make it a Class C, and we're going to get better tenants, and we're going to have the best property in place. It sounded good at the time, except for our property doesn't have a fence around it at the time, or it still doesn't. So these other Class D properties would just walk in between, but to get to each other would walk through our property. So we can never really get better clientele. So we spent a whole bunch of money rehabbing on the inside of the apartments by doing, you know, brand new bathrooms and kitchens, and uh, we can never, we could never, never turn it around. We probably, most likely, should have spent all the money building a freaking fence around that thing and uh, keeping all the riffraffs out. And then we could have then spent a little money doing upgrades. Mm, you so live and learn. Yeah, so you were pumping money into it, and it was just maybe getting burned quite literally by the residents who were there because this just wasn't the right profile. Exactly. So people would come in, they would you know, get, get evicted. Since the property wasn't making great money, it was very hard to get a good management company in there. So we, we tried to self-manage by just hiring people off the street to run it. The manager was stealing from us. The maintenance guy was stealing from us. The, uh, you know, it, was just, it was just one thing after the other. Then, then we had a balcony fall down and the building department came and slapped some citations against us. It was just a bad deal all along. And we blew through all our money on investing on the inside of the properties where it really didn't help. I want to uh, prepare you that the next question I ask as a follow-up to this is, is going to be a, a little hard and it's going to be scratching the open wound. Are you prepared? <laughs> okay. Describe to me the conversation with your mom after you lost the money. <laughs> oh, man. That, um, my, you know, she said she's funny. She she said my finance guy told me I was going to lose that money after I told my bought an apartment complex <laughs> with it. <laughs> so she's like, it's going to help me on my taxes. There we go. Oh yeah, <laughs> not my not my finest day, but you know, I made I was a new I was a green investor. I was very new. It was actually my first deal. I wasn't the lead partner. The lead partner had done a couple other deals successfully, and I had a mentor and I had a lawyer and. It, you know, I, I try to cover myself, and I just don't think the partnership had enough money to go into the deal. We missed a couple of things on the deed restrictions, which hurt me later on. As we lost the property, I was I was sued for 1.5 million, and uh, finally settled for like 30 thousand. But my lawyer missed something. My mentor that I paid like 10 grand for, he was also the broker on a deal, so he wanted the deal to go through. He didn't really care that we didn't have enough money for the deal, mm. and so. You know, it was just, you know, I will tell you this. I'm still friends with the lead partner. We did another deal together that was that was semi-successful, and uh, we're still buddies today. Uh, but we took it in the shorts in that one. 
you said deed restrictions. You there there were some things missed. What was that? I'm sorry, not the deed restrictions. I'm sorry, the uh, the mortgage. Uh, what do you call that? The not the deed, but the the mortgage deed. Uh huh. So. I'm drawing a blank here, Joe, but when you, when you sign the mortgage, these mortgage papers, and one of the checkboxes says, if we have to take back the property, and I'm paraphrasing here, yeah, if we have to take back the property, but we can sell the property for more than you owe, you're going to be indemnified, okay? Mm. And if that box is checked, if they sell the property for more than what we owe, then we're indemnified. In this case, they didn't check the box. And so when we did lose the property, we owed about $1.5 million. The bank took it back from us and sold it for $2.1 million. So they made six hundred grand, And they turned around and tried to sue us for $1.5 million <laughs> of what we owed. And so if the box was checked, they never could have even done that. But because that box wasn't checked, and, and you know, it's a simple thing, and, and the lawyer just missed it. And, and me being so green, didn't even know to look for it. That's why I hired the lawyer. And um, sometimes you hire the professionals, and, and they, they don't help. Most times they do. You know? Yep. The alignment of interest there is critical too, with the uh, the coach slash broker in the deal, where they don't really it's the the waters get really muddy fast whenever they have a financial interest in you closing. Correct, correct, and and you know you th- you try to find the good in people, and, and this guy's still in business, and he's helped a lot of people. He just did not help me on that deal on that day. What's the best ever place the listeners can reach you? Our website, www.empireindustriesllc.com, and we have tons of information. We do a lot of blogs. We have a lot of free information on our site for investors, property managers, and, and realtors, and it's, it's a great site to, to go to and, and, um, and get some education. I loved our conversation. This was just so helpful for the best ever listeners. I'm confident of that. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice and talking about the marketing and sales focus that your team has with the just really unique and strategic idea of the Agent Alliance program where you work with agents and um, then you're able to get more leads and, and partner with them and help them make money too, as well as giving us an idea of how much uh, profitability we can make on doors by citing that study and then talking about the apartment deal. It didn't go right, but the things that you learned, uh, making sure that we have enough capital whenever we're buying the deal and, and reserves, the uh, the legal paperwork, as well as alignment of interest with the team members. Just a wonderful conversation. Very grateful that uh, you shared this uh, this time with us. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com. You can do the online application. Takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved. And then you could be financed within seven days. Pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com.